0: In episode 31 of Mosin at Large, we look ahead to Mushroom FM's 10th birthday and a big virtual music festival we have in store for you. You can register today, we'll tell you how. Can you believe that it's 20 years ago since my first main menu episode aired and there's plenty of technology in the mix. If you'd like to make a contribution that might be included on Mosin at Large, you can phone the listener line. That number in the United States is 864-60-MOSIN, 864-606-6736. You can also make an audio or written contribution by email, jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, at mushroomfm.com. We play a selection of the contributions we receive every week. It would be helpful if your message is concise due to the volume of contributions we receive and your contribution may be edited for brevity and clarity. A reminder that to help you navigate this long podcast, it is segmented by chapter. All the good podcast apps support chapters. That means you can skip forward and back between sections. It's been a good week here. We are now, as I put the show together, into day 18 of our lockdown, and our goal here is to completely eradicate COVID-19. We're on track To do that. And we've had a lot of experience doing this sort of thing because we're an island nation. When we really want to, we can close our borders. And anybody who's trying to get a guide dog in here from overseas will know how we can really lock things down and check for various diseases and that sort of thing. So we are not anticipating that we will go with a herd immunity strategy. The idea is to see this out until there's a vaccine and then vaccinate everybody against the virus and then at a safe point, open the borders again. And it does seem to be working. And it's quite interesting being in little New Zealand and seeing all the articles that are now starting to come through about the New Zealand experience on CNN and the Washington Post and everything, talking about not only what we're doing, but the way that it's been led So we're feeling quietly confident that we are on track for eradication, but the latest modelling that I have seen indicates we may just have to go and lock down a bit longer. I suspect most New Zealanders will be happy to make that sacrifice, and then New Zealand will become essentially its own little bubble, because we now have a situation where if you want to come into New Zealand, even if you are a New Zealander, you will be quarantined in some pretty nice hotels, I understand, for a 14-day period. And there are levels of this quarantine depending on whether you're showing symptoms when you come to our border or not. And so that's the way it will be for the foreseeable future. And while you can see many countries, the curve just went way up because we went early, the curve is actually going down. It's not just flat, it's going in a downward trajectory. So we're very pleased about that Uh, it is no reason to be smug of course and we send lots of love and best wishes to those who are dealing with it in a very different way and seeing the stark realities of full hospital beds a shortage of ventilators and people who are much loved dying way too soon so it's a very difficult situation and we will of course hear from listeners around the world about how they are doing on a much brighter note mushroom fm is going to be turning 10 in exactly two weeks' time from today. It'll be the 25th of April, U.S. Eastern Time. And as it happens, at 2 p.m. on the 25th of April is when we started Mushroom FM. So I will be here. And we will be doing a special Mosin Explosion show, or a special three-hour show, paying tribute to Mushroom FM and its 10th anniversary. And I'll tell you more about how you might like to contribute to that show this time next week. Then, of course, we were faced with the little dilemma of what do we do? Because one of the things that has made Mushroom FM so popular over the years is our use of social media to bring people together in virtual events. And we've done things in the past like the Mushroom FM Cruise, the Mushroom FM Murder Mystery Weekend. We went on a train. We've done all sorts of things like that. And when we talked about this, we thought, well, people probably want a little bit of escape from the reality that we find ourselves in. But we also don't want to be crass about it either. This is a very serious situation for a lot of people and so we didn't really want a party like it's not happening but we did want to provide something that might bring us all together in fine mushroom fm tradition and so we are going to be bringing back an old favorite as part of our mushroom fm 10th birthday
1: celebrations when it comes to curing the blues there's no better way than a great party and there's no better way to spice up a party than live music from the world's best entertainers. And that's exactly what you'll get when you join us for our all-day birthday party, Sunday, April 26th. It is it's Mushroom Stock 2020. Stock 2020, an online rock festival like no other. Get your free ticket today, and read all about it at mushroomfm.com slash mushroomstock2020. 20-minute live music sets from all your favorite artists. That, plus lots of Fun interaction on Twitter with the hosts and one another. Sign up today and get your free ticket by going to mushroomfm.com/mushroomstock2020. Mushroomstock2020, a rock festival to remember, and happy birthday, Mushroom FM!
0: Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you have never been to a mushroom stock before, these are really popular events where we transport you to a virtual stadium and we bring acts on the stage who, in some cases, are incapable of performing. Maybe because the bands have split up in very acrimonious fashion or perhaps they're just not with us anymore. So we can have all sorts of fun with the theatre of the mind that is radio. Transport you to this virtual stadium and you can enjoy Mushroom Stock. It's longer than we've ever done one before. This is a 12 hour music festival. And all you have to do to get your free ticket is head on over to mushroomfm.com slash mushroomstock2020, and you can do that now. mushroomfm.com slash mushroomstock2020. You'll see the Fungus Ticketing Agency open there. You can even select your seat, assuming that the seat isn't taken already, and you'll be able to let people know where you're sitting using the Mushroom FM Twitter hashtag. We're going to have a lot of fun with this Mushroomstock Music Festival on the 26th of April. We know that in the past when we have done Mushroom Stock events, there's a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of Twitter chatter, and it seems like a great way to mark Mushroom FM's 10th anniversary. So do join us, head on over and make sure you get the best seats. That address again is mushroomfm.com slash mushroomstock2020. And of course, we are looking forward to celebrating all the success that we've had over the last 10 years. And of course, that success is Due to you, we have been reminded all over again in the last few weeks just what an important community that we have built around us at Mushroom FM over the last 10 years. And at times like this, that sense of family and community has really come to the fore and it's really important. So we're looking forward to marking all of that and celebrating our 10th birthday in a couple of
2: weeks. Hi, Jonathan. And just wanted to share my input regarding uh, Envision and uh, AI. So, for a long time, I was biased towards AI, and uh, but it was not doing a couple of things for me. So, gradually, I started using Envision. Initially, I was not happy with it. But uh, of late, most of my office documents, which are in image format, Envision is doing a very good job, better than seeing AI. And uh, two, I am very passionate about uh, visiting these new age cafes, which are mushrooming up. Oh, wow! Mushrooming up uh, in my city for the last few years. So, twice a month at least, we visit these cafes and experiment with different cuisines so one thing I was never able to do is you know read the bill in a way which I wanted so the bill would uh, have the name of the restaurant the address the table number then it would uh, so it would have the serial number then the quantity then the name of the so the name of the item then quantity rate per item and the final amount for that quantity and below that the total amount and the taxes So seeing I would never be able to read this and uh, once I started using Envision Eye so when I go to a coffee, uh, sorry a cafe and I'm having my uh, Bose frames put on and uh, which feels cool and then I'm scanning it through my Envision, this reads in the tabular format which I'm not sure any other app is doing. So I can see that uh, first item I ordered uh, one quantity of uh, spiced beans then the cost for that, second quantity I ordered a cake uh, single quantity the cost for that and third then it says uh, uh, i ordered a soup onion- oh my god soup love. onion and cheese soup the quantity uh, the no. total. so that's why i feel envision uh, is better for me
0: i have been giving envision more of a try this week because you left that message quite early in the week and a number of people have said how much they enjoy using envision so i've deliberately tried to give it more of a go It is quite good. I must say I've been reading some scanned image PDF files with it, and it does a lovely job with that. I found that it's easier for me to get a barcode in the view of seeing AI than in vision, but I will keep practicing with it. I also find the color recognition a little bit more accurate as far as I'm aware with seeing AI. But again, sometimes it's what you're used to. And when you try a new app, you kind of have a bias against something new because you're just so in the groove with another one you know so it's uh, great to hear these thoughts on people's comparisons with seeing ai versus envision and it just goes to show how far we've come doesn't it because in the past we were just grateful to have one app that did the business and now we have uh, a lot of choice in almost every pursuits that we do with technology that really is progress
3: hi jonathan this is flor lynch from Ireland. I fool. You're doing pretty well in New Zealand. What I would be concerned about, though, is that you have a winter ahead of you during our northern hemisphere. Summer, you've got the winter in the southern hemisphere. So, it's early days yet, but it is early days for all of us. Ireland isn't doing too badly either, even without a proper government at the moment. As I speak, anyway, we are two months without a... Full-time government is a caretaker one at the moment. And our Prime Minister or we call him Taoiseach in Ireland, which is a Gaelic word meaning chief of the tribe. He is a former doctor, so he's putting in one shift per week as a doctor to help out the frontline staff. Nice gesture. He's still a relatively young man, by the way. So he has a career ahead of him if he wants it if he decides to leave politics. He was thinking of doing so in a few years, but that was before he got elected as Prime Minister in 2017. He replaced Indy Kenny. We also have a policy of cocooning, that's what it's known as, over 70s. So the people over 70 are encouraged not to go out, to have other people do it for them instead.
0: Yes, you're a man after my own heart, Floor. So in Floor's quite lengthy message, which I trimmed there, he was mentioning that he has been listening to our flagship morning show on our public broadcaster called Morning Report on Radio New Zealand National. And I enjoy doing that too. I listen to a lot of uh, local radio from around the world. So I've been following your political situation in Ireland with considerable interest. We also have a proportional representation system and so it's conceivable that we could get in the same spot of bother at some point in the future regarding the seasonality of covid-19 i hear this a lot from people in the northern hemisphere and there's no scientific evidence to suggest that covid-19 is seasonal in any way that said obviously if you are sick because of some other winter lurgy then your immune system's compromised and it does mean that you're probably a bit more susceptible to catching it. But a number of warm climate countries at this time of year have had quite significant COVID-19 outbreaks. So there is no suggestion, based on the science, that a warmer climate is going to make too much difference, other than perhaps, you know, that that caveat about being less susceptible to getting other allergies or sorry, other other Lurgy that might bring it on. Flo, you mentioned that quarantine was going on for people over 70, and I think that's important. But one of the things that we are learning is just how virulent COVID-19 is. There are very healthy people who are catching this thing and sadly dying of it. People over 70 are particularly at risk because of the compromised immune systems, but we're seeing people of all ages, including children, who are sadly succumbing to this disease. So it will be interesting to see whether pressure builds for wider measures in that context. But we wish you all the very best and everybody all the best uh, in Ireland dealing with this horrible thing. And hopefully we can get an effective vaccine in the quickest but safest possible time frame.
4: Hi, Jonathan. It's Jim from sunny Florida. Welcome, Jim. I want to thank you for doing a fantastic review about Zoom and several other things. Um, I want to share a couple things, especially since I've done the 13.4 update. I've noticed that my phone a lot of times will freeze, especially more in Safari. And then I'll do finger swipes and then sometimes I'll either have to do the stop and restart voiceover with my you know with the home button and then what happens a lot of times too is the phone will you know make those clicking sounds because i have that turned on where the phone's kind of catching up with itself i remember the old windows computers used to do that with like windows 95 and 98 where if you did a bunch of stuff trying to get something to work (laughs) it would uh it would like do a catch up and kind of real quickly do everything you've done in the last like two or three minutes gosh that's frustrating The other thing I wanted to share is with my iPhone, I'm not sure how much of it's my internet and how much of it's my phone. Maybe you can tell me this. On Wi-Fi, sometimes my phone drops the Wi-Fi connection, I guess. Sometimes I even try to send a text and my phone says, I'm on it, or just a sec. Um, I think it's kind of funny. They've added those terms to their lexicon at Apple, but it is kind of funny. So I wondered if I've heard a rumor that the iPhone, if it's not used on the Wi-Fi for a while, that it will uh, disconnect itself uh, and then try to catch back up with you when you want to do it. Um, I've gotten to use Zoom a lot with a lot of organizations, that I, even local ones, that I have commitments with and volunteer work with. Um, Adobe. Adobe can work well with a PC. But historically, I've had a nightmare trouble with getting Adobe's iPhone app to work. I wondered what your experience was, and if Adobe, anyone knows if Adobe has making plans to be more accessible.
0: Just going through some of the points that you made, sluggishness on your iPhone. You didn't mention, I don't think, what iPhone you have, but you did mention a home button. So it sounds like it could be one of the older iPhones, and it sounds like you're under some CPU load there. The only thing I can suggest other than contacting Apple to see what they would suggest is see if a restore to factory defaults might help. Set the iPhone up as new and then put all your apps back and set it up the way you like it if it's really bothering you that much. Obviously, that would follow less drastic measures like doing a turning it off and back on again and a warm reset. But if you still don't have any luck after that, it would be worth setting the iPhone up as new again, sometimes it is amazing what a difference that can make, just speeding everything up, making it feel less sluggish. So it's a bit of a drastic gesture, but I guess it beats the cost of buying a new iPhone. I think you're dealing with two issues regarding your Wi-Fi. The first is that if the Wi-Fi is dropping, that shouldn't be happening. And my layman's diagnosis not knowing your setup is if you're using 2.4 gigahertz wi-fi there is a lot going on down there man a lot going down on the 2.4 gigahertz and the spectrum is flooded 2.4 gigahertz wi-fi actually transmits quite a long distance and that was a big advantage in the olden days when only the early adopters were using wi-fi and what you really wanted was good signal However, now that so many people have Wi-Fi, what you can often find in even partially built-up areas is that there's a lot of signal on all Wi-Fi channels. And so what you get is kind of like the old crosstalk on a cordless phone, a lot of interference, and that can cause the Wi-Fi to drop. So the first thing I would suggest is if you are back down on 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi, see if your router is capable of a 5 gigahertz connection and connect to it, you may need, depending on the size of your place, some sort of extension like a mesh system. Don't get those horrible Wi-Fi extenders that just relay the signal because they're nothing but trouble. But you may not, depending on the area that you want to cover. So I'd go to 5 gigahertz. If that's not possible and you are on 2.4 gigahertz, see if you can switch the Wi-Fi channel and that might improve things. Your Siri comments, look, I'm getting that too. I have a crisp 5 gigahertz connection right throughout Mosin Towers. We have about four access points to cover the volume of this place. Even on a good, fast 4G connection, I get that. I'm on it, just a tick, all this sort of thing. Siri has become very sluggish. And yet Google Home and the Soup Drinker don't have that problem. So it's just an example of where Siri's not really keeping up. And regarding the Adobe question, I just wouldn't bother with Adobe because there are so many better options. iOS has a built-in PDF reader. So if you get a PDF document that's accessible, you can double tap it if it's attached to an email or open it from the iOS files app. And you should be pretty sweet with being able to read that. I tend to put PDF files into VoiceDream Reader. Which I just think is an essential app for every blind person to have. It is just such an epic app. And PDFs render beautifully. If it's a scanned image, you could use Voice Dream Scanner to scan that image or any number of other things, seeing AI, Envision, all sorts of things that will do PDFs. So if Adobe isn't playing ball, there's really no reason to bother with Adobe.
5: Hi, Jonathan. Michael Moran here. Welcome, Michael. You know, Jonathan, my nerves are shot, as I told you in the past. My oh, nerves dear. are shot. Oh, did it? Now uh, I have allergies, so my voice is a little uh, thin. But anyway, uh, I'm coming to you because I want to go to confession. It seems that someone was putting soundproofing up on a petition I have here. Not a petition, a partition. And, uh... Whatever they were spraying got into my console, which I neglected to cover up. And so I had to discard the Mackie board. And now I have uh, ordered a Soundcraft. So there it is. I I, I came to you for absolution because I value equipment. And I think it's horrible when equipment breaks or something happens to it. So when it bites the dust, it's a bad deal, you know? Anyway, I uh, love the podcasts. I hope you don't stop. I know you're a busy guy, but really, <laughs> yeah, please keep the podcasts coming. Oh, well. well there, wait- shall I say, a safety zone hmm. of sanity in this uh, pandemic we're in. Well, thank you, Michael. So, yeah, that's from Quarantine Central, this is Michael Moran signing off i feel like i need an outro
0: bed welcome that is really just awful about your gear but it's a good excuse to get something new i guess i hope you got insurance on that stuff man that is just a terrible thing to have to go through i wonder how zen you were when that actually went down and you realized that there was all this gunk in your mixer board i don't think i you know i do my meditation regularly and everything but i don't think i'd be very zen about that situation at all. So there you go. Good to hear from you, Michael. And I hope you enjoy the new board. You'll have to tell us what it is like. Bryant Walker is on the email. I hope you're doing well. He says, I am doing okay. My state, which is Idaho. Oh, mate, they have the most humongous potatoes in in Idaho, you know. Yeah, big Idaho potatoes. And then, of course, you smother them with butter, you load them with bacon and delicious cheese, and you get a major carpet because potatoes are so starchy. But they do do nice potatoes in Idaho. Anyway, he says that Idaho has a stay-at-home order for another week or so, but it may have to be extended for a little longer, but it's okay, he says, because I'm using the Mosin explosion to occupy my time. I wanted to get your opinion on something. I don't know how familiar you are with the NFB National Convention. Oh, I've been to quite a few, actually. Bryant, get on the pack plan. Sign up today. Um, but I heard yesterday, he says, that it is going virtual. The original plan was to have it in Houston, Texas. I guess they would have said, Houston, we have a problem. (laughs) But of course, due to COVID-19, this wasn't possible. Apparently, they're going to have local gatherings where possible and have virtual events to attend. We haven't gotten all the details about how this is going to work, but this does sound interesting. Yes, I, I see that they're billing it as the largest gathering of blind people in history should be good actually you know for for people who have difficulty attending for work or socio-economic re- reasons it's it's quite democratizing i think and i wonder you know we, we'll we probably never go back quite to the way we were after all this uh brian says what i am a little worried about is the people who purchased their airplane tickets or hotel rooms already i really think they should get a refund what do you think about all this. I don't know the situation there, Bryant, um, but I agree. I think in a COVID-19 situation where people haven't cancelled of their own volition, that the hotel and airline industries, who must be feeling it very tough right now, it's tough for everybody, isn't it, in so many industries, should be able to come to the aid of the party. But um, I don't know enough about the situation to comment further so maybe those who are looking at getting a refund will be able to tell us how they're getting on with that and incidentally acb is doing a similar thing i suppose this is an opportunity for people to attend both virtually isn't it because they're not on at the same time i believe acb is going first this year and then nfb is a little bit later than normal starting on the 14th of july so if you can attend them virtually you may be able to go to both And that could be an experience for people who are diehard members of one to kind of check out the other. I don't know how the organizations will feel about that. But um, wouldn't it be amazing? I mean, obviously, those who know their history will know that NFB and ACB were one organization at one point. It'd be amazing if in a spirit of unity, which is pervading so many things at the moment, they had one massive conventional sort of virtual get together. But I doubt that that will happen.
6: Good afternoon, Jonathan Mosen. This is Nolan Christopher Parish here in St. Joseph, Michigan in the United States. I'm looking at running a internet radio station. However, I first would like to know what type of a mixer would you recommend? And also what type of microphones would you also recommend of having me hook up to the mixer? And what kind of mixer would I need?
0: Good luck with that. I would recommend in the first instance, assuming that you're working with a PC, that you check out the tutorial that Brian Hartgen and I put together called Broadcast It, which shows you how to use the Station Playlist Studio package. And if you're in Windows, then that is by far the best way to do internet radio. And the reason why I suggest you do that is that you may find that you don't need a mixer at all. These days, working with a USB microphone and all sorts of software means that you can produce very good live audio without a mixer. So unless you're intending to bring in plenty of guests virtually or in person, then you may not actually need a mixer to do internet radio. Station Playlist Studio has a sort of a virtual mixer in software and you could plug one USB microphone in and use the studio software which would save you quite a bit of dosh and it would also save you quite a lot of complexity so you can go to org and look for the broadcast it tutorial you can buy that with or without the station playlist scripts for jaws which have been put together and are constantly maintained by hartgen consultancy so That's what I would recommend that you do. In terms of a microphone, it's kind of how long is a a piece of string. Generally, if you're not in a treated room, and by that I mean if you're not sitting in a padded cell, which is
7: probably right. Put me in a padded cell.
0: I'm not in a padded cell. I was when I started doing ACB radio. Well, not quite when I started. About nine months into ACB radio, my then wife and I moved to a little place called Whanganui and my then father-in-law built a custom-made studio that I could run ACB radio from. And that had all this cool acoustic foam in it. And it was really, really cool. And then I used a condenser mic because I was in a treated room. Now I am not in a treated room. there, are, There is no sort of acoustic padding all over the place. So if you are not in a treated room, and most people aren't, I would recommend you use a dynamic microphone. This topic, by the way, is covered in my Unleash Your Inner Podcast audio tutorial, which is available from the same place, org. Unleash Your Inner Podcast. Really what mic you get depends on how much you have to spend. But I think a pretty good midpoint between quality and not going overboard with the cost, especially if you're just getting started and you want to know whether this is really for you, is a microphone called the Samsung, not Samsung, but Samsung Q2U. And I've mentioned this before. It's a nice mic. The Audio-Technica ATR2100 is a very similar mic. And the advantage of that mic, apart from the fact that it sounds pretty nice and it's very directional, so you have to have it in your face and it shuts out a lot of side noise. The advantage of those mics is that you can connect it to a USB port on your computer and use it with, say, station playlists, built in mixer or recording software. Or if you do get a mixer down the track, you can also connect it with an XLR cable, which is the kind of socket that you normally find in a mixer for use with a microphone. So that's what I would do. I hope that's some help and um, best of luck
8: with your
5: plans.
8: Hello, it's Robin here from the UK. Last week, we had some contributions about Envision AI. And recently on the Tech Talk podcast for the RNIB that I do with co-host Stephen Scott, we interviewed Karthik of Envision AI. And we asked him lots of questions about how it was developed and implemented on Google Glass. And I was lucky enough to try Google Glass when it first came out. Oh, and by the way, the next version that is being used for the, you know, the latest version for the Envision AI product is similar, if not identical in its kind of physical appearance. So it's very lightweight. It's like a band that goes around the top of the frames in a sort of a smooth curve. And there's a slight boxy thing on the right hand temple, which is where all the gubbins is and there are two lenses, and there's a little tiny kind of prism-like screen up in the top right corner, uh, which you may or may not get any use out of. But my understanding is that it's basically Android. It's a version of Android, and you've basically got a mobile phone on your face. And what they've done is they've created a suite of software that includes the Envision AI, different features, functions, plus video calling. And I'm pretty sure they're going to partner up with other uh, organizations like Beam AIs, et cetera, so that they can build those in as well. From what Karthik was saying, you are limited to, so even though it's like a full platform where many apps could run, the product will keep you within the Envision AI sort of suite of tools. And that makes it uh, a consistent user experience. So even though you could run other things on there, because it is in effect a version of android uh you'd be kind of inside that walled garden which i think is a good thing particularly if they're going to be broadening out the services that it offers all the time one question that i had for karthik was could you use it as the equivalent of a bluetooth headset so could you use your phone to play media etc and a bit like the bose frames which i absolutely love could you use it to just you know play start and stop media, answer calls, that sort of thing. And he said that was a really good idea, but not yet. Uh, because it isn't a Bluetooth headset, it's a full sort of cell phone on your face. So um, but I, he thought that that was a good idea and that it wouldn't be beyond the realms of um, possibility to build that in. Uh, obviously, you know, if you wanted to build in a media player within the glasses themselves, then brilliant. That would be one way around that. But just to be able to pass things through... To what it would be in effect, a headset would be brilliant, albeit a fantastic headset with built-in camera and all that sort of thing. I am supremely excited about Envision AI and having felt the hardware, I'm very satisfied that it's going to be, you know, uh, lightweight enough. Um, and you know, pass the test with regards hardware. You're not going to feel really clunky and weird having this thing on your face.
0: Thank you, Robert. I look forward to those Envision glasses, although they're not cheap, are they? I saw the price the other day and I thought, oh, my word, that's, uh, it's, it's not a cheap thing to invest in. So hopefully they go well and the platform will continue to evolve.
7: Hi, Jonathan. This is Jim in Southampton in the UK. Hello, Jim. In response to Jane asking about headphones to wear in the shower. Well, for a couple of years now, I've been using the marvellous Plantronics BackBeat Fit. They're a pretty tidy little headset, the sort that have got a band that connect the, the two ears that sort of run around the back of your head. And they, they're not not too big and they just fit right into your ears, obviously, to be waterproof. they very simple controls. They've got two little buttons on, on each ear there's a power button the top button on the right ear and that uh, says when power is on or off and tells you whether you're connected or not and also uh, nicely it tells you how much uh, power remains in the charge when you switch it on and also you can check the power by pressing that top right button once when the headset is in use and the charge on it is five hours the next button underneath that is the uh, call button I've not actually used it ever to conduct phone calls but you're uh, supposed to be able to do that uh, but that does work as your Siri uh, button so you can hold that in and ask uh, Siri questions about like uh, what song's playing when you're in the shower and then on the right hand side there's a little button similar to the power button on the right here uh, that's on the top and that's the volume and you just use that you, you press it in to put the volume up and then you hold it in for the volume down and then underneath that is the play button and you can play and pause and I think you double uh, press it to skip tracks forward and triple press it to to go backwards through through your tracks. These will give you spoken feedback too. The audio quality is not uh, marvellous but it's quite adequate And I bought this a couple of years ago. I think it cost around about £70, but I can't find it being available anymore other than through resellers. And I think Plantronics have replaced this with an updated model, which hopefully is as good. The uh, waterproof value is IP57. It's powered with a micro USB connector the connection is a bit tricky to make because of the need to be waterproof the cover of the connector is very flush into the outside of the right earpiece just near the bottom so that's quite hard to find but uh, it does just pull out and then you just uh, stick the little micro usb into the drawer there
0: thank you very much for that comprehensive review Jim, that's great. And whatever the new Plantronics version is, it replaces the one that you have. I hope that it's just as cool for those who want a Bluetooth headset for the shower. I am just too chicken, as I said last week. I would be nervous about having a headset on my head in the shower. I mean, not to mention the fact that what happens when you're washing your hair in there? Ew. I mean, I <laughs> presume. I mean, how does that actually work? You're going to have yucky shampoo going all over the headset, and ew. Anyway, it obviously works for you and it works for a lot of people because otherwise they wouldn't have a product with that sort of waterproof rating. Callan Gallagher's listening. He's excited about the conventions going virtual. He was looking forward to going to Houston. Now he's sort of come to terms with it. And that's the way to deal with this environment, isn't it? You've got to be zen. No point lamenting what might have been. Uh, and he and Anil and a number of people have drawn to my attention the fact that Android is finally getting a Braille keyboard. It finally has it, in fact. Cullen says, I have tried it and it works quite well. I'm glad Google has finally done this. Have you had the chance to try this yet? I would be curious to know your thoughts. I haven't yet because actually I have gotten rid of my Android devices. But I am very pleased that they have that keyboard. That's a very positive step. And of course, you know what is required, right? To get a Braille keyboard working, multi-touch. Because you have to press as many as six dots. Actually, that's a shortcoming of iPhone, is that you can only press five combinations down at once. So when you write the four symbol, you've got to do a bit of jiggery-pokery to get that done. So I don't know whether that has uh, the same limitation on Android or not. So if they have this keyboard as part of their accessibility suite with the Braille, and that's really fantastic, could we please now have multi-touch gestures in the screen reader? When they do this, if they ever do it, then I will definitely revisit Android. I am not interested in trying to bother with the jiggery-pokery of the angular gestures, the up then right and down and left and do the hokey-cokey and that's what it's all about. Come on, guys. I mean, We're spending a lot of money on these devices, very capable devices that are multi-touch capable. This is a decision that software developers have made to deny blind people the right to use multi-touch gestures in our screen reader so you can customize the gestures. And I'm not advocating for throwing out the defaults necessarily. Android's got a following among the blind community and talkback users have become used to using Android in the way that it works. But when you go into that screen where you can customize the gestures, you should be able to change the user interface to multi-touch so that you can emulate, if you want, the iOS gestures there's no reason why we can't have two, three, even four finger gestures on devices that are capable of that, and most are. So it's great. I applaud the accessibility peeps for getting that brow keyboard out. It's great, but please give us multi touch and talk back. Or maybe somebody can come out and give us a multi touch capable screen reader, but I don't know even whether that's possible because of the limitations of the current API that's in there. I mean, Samsung have done it, of course, and that's one of the things that attracted me to having a look at the Galaxy ranges that you can use voice assistant, but that has some other disadvantages. I understand it's using quite old code and Samsung haven't been updating it. So I really do look to Google to take the shackles off and give us multi-touch gestures.
9: Mr. Mosin, it's J-Dog here. Oh, my word. And I'm going to have to send my iPhone 11 in for repair. The phone won't respond to my touches. Literally. Thump it, thump it. There's still stuff going on on the screen. There's nothing physically wrong with the device, according to Ira and me, because I I, I haven't even taken it out of its case. It all of a sudden just started happening, and I was able to fix it on Sunday with uh, three restarts of the phone. But now if I restart it now... Yeah, I'm being redundant. Uh, nothing happens. Nothing works. The only thing it would work with is a, um, a a Bluetooth device, assuming, assuming, presumably. I mean, you know, it works with the Focus 14, so I'm guessing it would have worked with a Bluetooth keyboard had I had one to use, but I didn't. So I reset the device to... I erased all settings, thinking that that would fix it. It didn't. So I restored everything, thinking that might fix it. And of course, it didn't. So, I don't know what the heck to do. And I had a firmware update, ironically, this morning to one, 4- thinking that would fix it. And of course, it obviously didn't, because i have now stuck here at the hello screen <laughs> with one notification. So, I'm thinking if it's something hardware-related, as opposed to software-related, because if it wasn't, it wouldn't work with Bluetooth accessories, correct? Correct. It would be the new phone that gets muddled up.
0: No, I'm really sorry about that. That's horrible. Yes, it sounds like you have got a defective touchscreen and you've been very thorough in all of your troubleshooting that you've done there. And so it sounds like the only thing you can do is return it. Return to send up. That's really annoying, isn't it? Bonnie had a similar thing. I bought her an Apple Watch for Christmas uh, three and a bit years ago. And it arrived and I was setting it up and the the watch would just not respond to touch and i actually had quite a bit of a battle with apple because they wanted me to send it in for repair and everything and i just kept escalating it i just kept asking for supervisor after supervisor because i said to them look i know what this is. this is a christmas present i'm not going to send back a watch that has never worked. What we've got is an OBF. I mean, what I mean is I'm happy to send it back, but I'm not happy to send it back. Have you look at it, repair it or whatever, and then send me either another one or a brand new one? I know that you're going to have to send me a brand new one. And I said, yeah, this, this is all about Apple's legendary customer service. I bought this for my wife for Christmas, and it's what they call an OBF, an out-of-box failure. So finally, they did send me a new watch. I said, I'm happy for you to charge my card for the second watch and then reverse the charge when you get the other one back. That's totally fair enough. But I want one shipped out right now so it arrives in time for Christmas. So it's frustrating. Sometimes those touchscreens just do go on the blink, and that is definitely the case for you. Joe also had a question I don't know the answer to. He was asking about how you activate the numpad in boot camp on a macbook pro so if anyone knows how you do that i presume he wants to use for example jaws with the um, number pad i mean have you ever thought of just switching to laptop layout eric damry does the same thing quite a few of us who have been involved in jaws over the years use laptop layout because it's just so much easier to keep your hands on the home row and not have to fool around with the number pad so you could always try that but if anybody has the magic trick to activate activating the number pad on a MacBook that has one or a Mac computer that has one then by all means share it because sharing is caring
1: Jonathan Mosen Mosen
5: at large
1: podcast
0: I am very pleased to see the cooperation that is taking place between google and apple regarding contact tracing and i see that kathy blackburn is pinging me on this subject and cell phones can certainly do a lot with contact tracing our government has been quite interested in the success that singapore has had with their bluetooth app and the singaporean government are about to open source this technology and so the government here in new zealand is thinking of grabbing this and modifying it for its own purposes and then making it available as an iOS and Android app. And the idea of this is that on your device, securely, supposedly, you are collecting data with people who also use the same app via Bluetooth about who you've been in close proximity to. And only when you test positive, and hopefully that never happens, but if you test positive for COVID-19, you then give authorization for all of that data to be released. And at that point, they can contact people that you've been close to over the last 14 days and let them know that someone has COVID-19 and that they may like to take remedial action. Now, there are several attempts being made to better this technology Various people are trying to come up with great ways, some using GPS, some using Bluetooth, and it's all getting a bit confusing. And a couple of weeks ago, Apple and Google got together quietly without any fanfare, without telling any media, and senior people at Apple and Google worked out a protocol that will be in Android and in iOS for contact tracing. And this consists of several things. There will be apps that are native to iOS and Android, but most important, there'll be an API, an application programming interface. And this will allow all of these other apps that are trying to do this to hook into a common API, which means that all of these contact tracing efforts could be interoperable if everybody goes with it and adopts this OS-based API. And there's a lot of security built in, as you can appreciate. These are some of the best engineers in the world. Apple is particularly hot on privacy. So they've been working with Android engineers to come up with a very secure model where there are anonymous identifiers that are being used and material is stored on your device. So this API is going to be released soon. There will be updates to iOS and Android. And I imagine that that will also include versions of iOS on older devices that are not capable of running iOS 13. And of course, one of the big problems with Android is fragmentation. So hopefully Google can go back and also patch some older versions of Android with this API as well. They really should do that because as we know, socio demographics do have an impact on how susceptible you might be to this awful virus. But it's great to see this sort of cooperation taking place. And I'm really hopeful that governments and then people will embrace it and uh, download the updates and make this contact tracing thing really work. Hello,
10: Jonathan. My name is Anil. Hello, Anil. I wanted to comment on a couple of questions from our Mosin at Large and Mosin Explosion listeners from last week. First, I wanted to start with YouTube videos. The instruction you gave was pretty good, Jonathan. But let's say someone wanted to record a blank video with making some blind people oriented tutorial or playing some audio game. They just wanted to publish it on YouTube because more people can view it. In that case, you can use OBS software. You can open OBS software and hit record button. It will ask. It will say that you are recording a blank video. Are you sure? Say yes and continue with your tutorial. After your tutorial is done, hit stop. If you want to make your screen record that means your display to record then also you can do it on obs but i am not aware of any youtube videos that explain how blind people can do that so you may want to explore by yourself the next thing i wanted to respond on regards to ios ios bugs are well let's say it's alarming right now but i do not believe any way that ios is going in a wrong direction but i am feeling very very skeptical about it it may go into further worse i don't know right now it's okay although still these bugs are present it's better than Android let's say that last thing is that uh, I wish everybody the best in these times here it's going okay everything is available and no problems fortunately Apart from the lockdown we are having temperatures are behaving very weird we are in the month of April right now in normal times temperature should hit 40 during this period. But right now it's hovering over 35 and 36 degrees Celsius.
0: Well, that sounds very pleasant here. We've got the opposite problem, uh, Anil, or the opposite situation where it's supposed to be getting colder and it's actually staying quite warm, unseasonably warm in my view for this time of the year in Wellington. But glad things are going relatively well for you in a country where they have extraordinarily locked down 1.3 billion people. That's a lot of people to lock down. And I have found that in terms of keeping up with how countries are doing with COVID-19, the drinker is doing a very good and succinct job. So for example, I can say, soup drinker, how many COVID-19 cases are there in India?
2: According to Ministry of Health and Family Welfare, as of April 11th, 2020, there have been 7,529 cases confirmed of the novel coronavirus in India. Additionally. There have been 242 deaths and 652 recoveries confirmed due to the novel coronavirus in India.
0: In a country of 1.3 billion, that's pretty good numbers, isn't it? And it just goes to show the effectiveness of going hard and going early with a comprehensive lockdown. When I ask similar questions of Syria, I get all sorts of I found this on the web, take a look kind of malarkey. It may be different in the United States. I'm not sure. Aaron In the Philippines, celebrating his birthday today, says, I agree with the multi-touch for Android. I also use Android and it would really change the game if we could do the touch shortcuts like in voiceover. And Andy says, I'm in agreement with your opinion on the JAWS laptop layout on my work computer, which is a desktop. For instance, I set JAWS to use the laptop layout. And you can still use the desktop keystrokes, so it doesn't matter much. That's right. You get the best of both worlds. Trenton says, about the TalkBack Braille keyboard, the only bad thing about Google's Braille screen input keyboard is the fact that there is no tabletop mode. Only screen away for now. Oh, man, that would be a deal breaker for me because I use tabletop mode literally all the time. I find that that's the layout that makes sense to me because it's laid out like a Perkins keyboard. So that is a shame, and I appreciate you passing that on, Trenton. Now, Anil was talking about bugs in iOS. That was in response to the message that Tanya left last week in which she was feeling pretty despondent about the number of bugs that she feels in iOS are really compromising her efficiency, and she's following up with answers to my questions this week.
11: Hi, Jonathan. Regarding the bugs, the main ones that absolutely (laughs) drive me crazy and I think it's only been in the last couple of versions of iOS, is you are brailing along and suddenly your rotor totally goes out of braille mode and sometimes the phone will even lock up before you get the chance to get the rotor and put it back into braille mode. Now, in Windows Messenger, which I gather you don't use as much, not like in Facebook that much, and I don't blame you for that is that when it locks up and you go to read the message you've written and you double tap in the, in the message field, it will say type a message and that will be part of the message until you've actually managed to double tap, get to where you need to be and keep either brailing or typing. The one at, at most that's bugging me right now is the story, and i will noticed it's been since iOS 13.4 because you dictate a message to Siri. It doesn't make the noises, so it won't make the noises to acknowledge you've spoken to him, but it will just speak to you. So once you've dictated a message, it will say, do you want to send it? And, of course, you won't get the confirmation noise first. And once you've sent that message, it will actually sit there sometimes and haven't sent the message at all. So that one is quite frustrating if you've got a lot of messages you need to dictate. And that especially happens if, for example, your workers calling you in the supermarket. And they really don't have long for you to get back to them with an answer.
0: This raises the question of when is it a bug and when is it a feature, of course, which is the age-old debate in computer, isn't it? If you are a sighted person using Siri, it stopped making those beeps long ago. And I personally would like a toggle where voiceover users can determine whether you get that beep thing or not, just like we have, for example, when you use the soup drinker. If you uh, stop, if you want, you can have the drinker not respond with an audible tone. And maybe there are times in Siri where I don't want that audible tone. But if you do, I agree that it absolutely should be there. There's no doubt that bugs remain in iOS. And my latest one yesterday was, sometimes Bonnie likes to introduce me to all sorts of dodgy music. Well, you know, sometimes it's dodgy and sometimes it's not. But when we do that, it's normally on my Amazon account, my Echo account, and it's linked to my Apple Music. And what I'm finding is that because she's introducing me to all this dodgy music, it's having a negative influence on the selections that Apple Music makes for me every week with the playlists that it generates. So I eventually said to Bonnie, Bonnie, I said, we need to set up your Apple Music so that we can switch accounts and you can introduce me to all this dodgy music if you must. and Then it will influence your Apple Music selection. But boy, was it a chore. So I grabbed her iPhone thinking this is going to be quick. But I had all sorts of issues because when I went to the edit field to type in her email address in the Amazon Alexa app, it wasn't recording any keystrokes. It was very frustrating and I finally got there. I think the, the workaround was to grab a Bluetooth keyboard and pair it with her phone and sort of toggle voiceover on and off again a few times. And finally, it was accepting input into the email address field. But it shouldn't be that hard.
5: Podcast.
12: I'm Steve Bauer from Wichita, Kansas. And a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that the Nest doorbell from Google is the one that I had installed at my house and that the app was accessible. And Jonathan, you had asked about the audio quality. Well, I tried to get a recording of it and it's pretty good. Uh, But the audio on the Nest doorbell, in my opinion, is better than the Ring, And I'm going to give you a a demo of it right now. Now, there is a tiny bit of background noise because I had to leave my microphone on the computer turned on so my niece could respond and communicate with me. Now, I will say that I am not affiliated or associated with Nest or Google in any way. And I purchased my device at Best Buy, so I paid full retail for it. So I'm getting nothing in return for doing this. I just think it's awesome that their system works so well. So here's what it sounds like. Hello? Can you hear me?
13: Yes, I can.
12: Okay, because I'm standing about a foot from the Nest doorbell. And you are loud and clear. And this should give people a pretty good idea of the audio quality from this doorbell. I think it's pretty darn good. Now, you have seen both the Ring and the Nest doorbells and seen the video. How would you compare them?
13: I would say the Nest is by far the best video quality.
12: Now, I am still playing with the app. There's a lot to learn, a lot of settings to deal with. And I just decided that I would call Nest to ask my questions and try to speed things up. And this is what I heard.
2: Hi, thanks for calling Google Nest. So, how can we help? For English, press 1. For un service en français, faites le 2. Para español, presiona 3. Due to recent current events, phone support is not available at this time. Please reach out to our team through online chat by selecting Contact Us in the top right-hand corner of any support article or through Twitter or Facebook direct message. If you're currently experiencing a smoke or carbon monoxide concern or any other security or safety issues that requires immediate assistance, call your local emergency services or fire department. You can find additional support options through our help center or seek the advice of our product experts through the community forum. We appreciate your patience and Understanding during this time.
12: So, there are still ways to get support, but not telephone support right now. So far, very pleased with the uh, Nest doorbell. The one feature that I like is facial recognition. Now, unfortunately, a totally blind person cannot update this information. It will take working eyeballs. But once a person's face has been captured, then a name can be put with it, and the next time they come to your door, The uh, telephone, if you just run the app, or the Google app, however you're doing it, will tell you that Sally is at your door. Now, if you are going to use facial recognition, you will need to subscribe to the monthly plan that will capture all of your video and audio, and then that information is stored on the servers, and then you'll be able to continue to have that available to you. I think it's only $5 a month. I have not subscribed yet but I probably will. And one thing that I was going to mention I forgot to is that actually the audio from the Nest doorbell, in my opinion, probably sounds better coming out of the little iPhone speakers than it does through my computer system and the mixer and everything else. So Jonathan, there you have it. Thank you very much, Steve. That was a good little demo
0: and I appreciate that. The audio is good, isn't it? I've just done a quick search I don't think New Zealand is an officially supported country. I believe that the Nest is available in Australia, but I don't think it is here. It's the same as Google Home. I don't believe that New Zealand is officially supported in Google Home, but a lot of people just get the Australian version and a few stockists in New Zealand sell it and tell you to set your language to Australia or or some other language. And it does look like we can get that here. So I might have to look at that because I'm just not happy with the Ring doorbell at all in terms of the audio quality. Obviously, they've had their security snafus as well, although they have tried to address those, and they've turned on two-factor authentication and done a few things of that nature to try and secure it down, lock it down. But they've also had some really strange things going on with relationships with authorities and all sorts (laughs) of things like that. So I am attracted to that audio quality, and it sounds like the app is a little better as well. The app's kind of usable on iOS with Ring, But it's, I guess I would describe it as quirky. Not fully accessible, but usable and quirky.
6: Main menu. Main menu. Main menu.
9: Main menu.
6: menu.
0: Yes, we've just passed an anniversary, I think it's important to Mark. On the 10th of April, it was 20 years ago that I aired the first episode of a concept I'd had in the back of my mind for some time before, an internet radio show that was grassroots driven and all about technology from a blindness perspective. I called the show Main Menu because certainly in those days we were using a lot of apps and devices with menu-driven user interfaces. Prior to Main Menu, I hosted the first global call-in show specifically for blind people. It was called Blindline, and I began airing that on my own internet radio station in 1999. When I was hired by the American Council of the Blind to establish and run ACB Radio, Blindline moved there. There was a real enthusiasm for talking about technology, much as there still is today on this show. While I'm very interested in technology, I'm also deeply into politics and many other issues. I made a living at one time as a government relations professional and advocate, and I've stood for Parliament here in New Zealand a couple of times. I wanted to find a way that allowed us to focus on important issues that weren't related to technology. I concluded that the best way to do that was to give technology its own show, separate from Blindline. And that's how Main Menu was born. At the time, there were howls of protest about the idea which only goes to show that sometimes you have to trust your instincts and stay the course. You'll note that when I described Main Menu, I talked about technology from a blindness perspective. That's how I always described the show, and that wording was deliberate. The show was always about more than assistive technology. It was about how we as blind people can, or in some cases can't, interact with a wide range of technology main menu came along at just the right time it predated podcasting but an increasing number of blind people were switching to windows and therefore had the ability to go online and listen to the show and equally as important there were sufficient blind people coming to grips with recording digital audio who were willing sometimes with a bit of guidance from me to produce contributions for the show Those contributions could often take a very long time for contributors to upload and for me to download because dial-up modems were still very common then. I'm incredibly proud that every week we produced two hours of quality content that was produced by people who use the technology. For me, the integrity of main menu was absolutely paramount. While we were sometimes offered pre-packaged material from technology producers, we never took it. I was determined that we shouldn't create an infomercial show. We always preferred to produce our own demonstrations or reviews so we could genuinely highlight the good and buggy without fear or favor. Later, when I worked in the industry, I learned how much anticipation there was of main menu reviews. Main menu developed a reputation as a thought leader with an honest and fair approach and soon I began receiving review units of hardware and demo copies of software on the clear understanding that I would produce an unbiased review. Main Menu came along just as Freedom Scientific was formed, amalgamating Blazy Engineering, Arkenstone, and Henderjoyce. Initially, it was far from a happy marriage, and Main Menu ran some strong investigative pieces, thanks to leaks well inside the company. We protected our sources and told it like it was. As we gained in reputation and confidence, our reach grew wider as we set up an FTP site so audio information services from around the world could download high-quality copies of the show so they could play them on the air. And we tackled the big contentious issues, such as a head-to-head comparison between JAWS and Dwindowise. So it really became quite the phenomenon, a must-listen-to show full of breaking news and comprehensive reviews. We've come a long way in 20 years, and it's now far easier than ever for people to produce and distribute their own content, and I think that's a really good thing. A lot of what I've done in the internet radio space in the last 21 years or so has been to encourage other people to get into it too, but it was much harder back then. So creating that vehicle for blind people to show each other various technologies is something I'm very proud of. Two hours of user-driven content every single week was a huge and sometimes stressful undertaking. You would not believe how close we were to showtime sometimes before the final main menu was ready to go. So thanks to the many people who made it happen, together we made change and we informed people. (music)
6: Hello, Jonathan. It's Thomas Upton in beautiful Massachusetts. Oh well, and nah, uh, it is beautiful. A couple yeah. of things to share with you. Uh, first of all, this contribution is being recorded on the Backpack Studio app. Dude. So yeah, I I purchased the app before you demoed the app on the Most Not Large podcast. So that's really good. And second, I appreciated the fact that yesterday ACB Radio's main menu turned twenty years old. And even though that there was a new episode of May Menu airing on that date, although they didn't mention that they turned 20 because they were focusing on the short-lived 2020 CSUN conference and convention because of COVID-19. But yeah, I tell you, I, I really would love to see ACB Radio do a special commemorative edition of May Menu to celebrate their 20th anniversary because I was slightly taken aback because again they they were talking about the short-lived season conference for the last two weeks on April 3rd and yesterday April 10th. But hey I'm I'm really glad that May Menu turned 20 yesterday and again I really would love to see ACB radio do a special edition of main menu to celebrate
0: good to hear from you thomas i loved radio history not to be patronizing but when i was your age as well i still do love radio history actually it's hard to imagine that main menu actually started before you were born isn't that scary but yes it is nice i think to acknowledge our history and remember where we've come from and observe these milestones. I've always been a big believer in that and I will have a few reflections on main menu soon. So it's nice that you remember and that you uh, care about that so much. I do think preserving our history and acknowledging it is important.
5: Mosin at Large podcast.
0: Michael Mann is in touch and says, recently I've been using Audacity to modify my recording for my podcast. I wonder how to clean up the spot with bad signal. Sometimes when I conduct an interview over Zoom, I get this bad connection sound. And what are the ways to make the sound audible? Well, you can't really fix what isn't there, unfortunately, Michael. And I think what's happening there is that um, one of you, either you or the person you're talking to, has a poor connection. It could also be at this time that Zoom has a poor connection as well because their servers are being absolutely hit right now um, because so many people are using it. So it's possible that the problem is at Zoom's end. If you have the ability to throw some dosh at the problem, I would use a service called Squadcast or potentially Zencaster. And those services record both ends of the call locally. If you were talking to a sort of a geeky person, you could get them to do it. So you could. what you could say to them is, I want you to record our conversation in Audacity or even potentially just have their iPhone beside them and record their end of the conversation using some app or other on their iPhone. That would work as well. And then send you their recording. And then what you can do is you can paste it all together. You record your audio and you then paste over the top, sort of like a mix paste deal, their audio. And then what you've got is local audio at both ends, and you don't have all that glitchiness caused by voiceover IP. So that's another way of dealing with the problem as well. So good luck with that. Cullen says, if you still have them, have you considered releasing all of the episodes that you have produced somewhere? This is of main menu. I used to love listening to the old episodes when they were on ACB Radio's websites back in 2011 and 2012. They've not been available since 2013, and ACB Radio seems to have no interest in restoring them. I did actually, when I was running the Mosin Channel, regularly play those episodes, and actually they were in better quality than when they originally aired because to accommodate dial-up, We had to compress them way down to this disgusting 16-bit, 11 kilohertz mono. Very nasty. But it's what was required to get it through nasty dial-up connections. So I do have them. I have most of them ready to hand. And some of them I think I need to go really looking hard for. I think they're backed up on a CD somewhere. But yes, I've not been asked for them. And I think that is a shame because... Our history is important, and when you go through those main menu episodes, you have a lot of history in there, products that have long gone, and you see how the industry has evolved, and you sort of look through what we covered there, and you think, oh man, I remember that thing, and it just is a timely reminder of how far we've come. The other thing that I think is really important about those main menu episodes is that we get to hear the voices of people who made a really significant contribution in various ways, not just to Main Menu, but to the industry, who are no longer with us. So I think we do have an obligation, actually, to make that content available and remember those people who aren't here anymore, but who made a contribution, who took us on the journey to where we are now, because we have a lot of people to thank for the technology that we take for granted today. Aaron says that he's managed to order a prepaid modem so he and Anne can work from home. This is something that's quite a big deal in New Zealand as well. We have this gigabit fiber in most places, but an even cheaper option, and there's copper as well, although thankfully that's on the way out. But we also are using the 4G and increasingly the 5G spectrum for Fixed wireless broadband and the speed on that thing is quite impressive. And one of the things that our government is doing for this COVID-19 crisis, because schools are supposed to get back into business this coming week. So the government has actually set up two new TV channels and they will be playing educational content for students, one in English and one in Maori, the indigenous language of New Zealand. So it's amazing. And there's more. They are actually sending laptops and Chromebooks to students who don't have them. And there's more still. They're trying to set up as much Internet as possible for students who don't have the Internet at their houses. And the wireless broadband is so easy to do because you don't need to go and cable anything, install anything. You just get shipped this fixed wireless broadband thing and switch it on. And it's provisioned. So it is amazing what this government is doing in terms of just keeping everybody at home and providing as little disruption as possible bonnie mosen is here hello with the bonnie bulletin because it would be sort of ridiculous if anybody else mm, did the, bonnie the eclipse bulletin.
13: what would it be the eclipse
0: the eclipse eclection
13: the eclipse eclection
0: the there What's been happening with you? Have you done your little I
13: have. We had so much fun. Happy hour in New Jersey via Zoom. Did you get Zoom bombed? No. Oh dear. We didn't get Zoom bombed. Uh, They're all having to wear masks now.
0: This is really interesting. I'm reading a lot about the mask thing and whether they actually are a good idea. And there's a lot of division. It's very annoying when scientists can't agree on something as mm. fundamental as whether well, you should. Well,
13: that's why scientists are scientists because they want to prove each other right or wrong. So yeah. that's what makes science.
0: But a lot of the information I'm reading is that they just don't help and that they can actually do more harm than because good. Because you
13: touch your face. Yes, because and cause they're uncomfortable and you yeah. touch your
0: face a lot. And so – um I guess we'll just follow whatever advice our government ultimately comes up with but it's interesting how it's, much division there is on well, this I was subject.
13: listening to the surgeon talk about you know how they like use, a
0: surgeon you
13: know, you know how they used to wear the cloth gowns and the cloth masks and they just launder them and I guess they don't do that anymore and so they're going back to some of the old cloth gowns so they'll have more and cuz they used to they always would have the you'd see the surgeons all robed up in these cloths and scary things and have the hat on and the face mask and they used to be cloth and now I guess it's all throwaway, which, you know, it's not good for the environment, but I guess they're going to try to go back because that's one reason they're running out of a lot of stuff is because it's all throwaway.
0: Yes. And in those countries that are advancing this idea that a mask is helpful, they're encouraging people to make their own, aren't they? Out of just regular everyday things. Mm -hmm. And of course, our prime minister went quite viral internationally viral when she made a point of saying that the Easter bunny was considered an essential service Mm -hmm. and for that matter so was the tooth fairy I understand her toddler may have been a bit uh, defiling of the the carpets in Premier House she was trying to draw, draw a picture of the Easter bunny on the carpet oh dear and um the Prime Minister says, vinegar does wonders mm. on the posh carpet.
13: Where was the nanny?
0: You turn your back on a toddler for a second. I remember when Heidi drew a pretty picture, and she was very proud of it. And she, she said, look at this beautiful picture I've drawn, and it was all over the wallpaper. In the, um,
13: See, I never um. did that.
0: Well, there you go. You were just a good child. It.
13: I didn't do that. No? Well? Now, my sister, there's a very famous story of they went over to some friend's house, and she was like two or three. And they all the little girl of the friends took the little other little children into the garage or somewhere the basement, and they painted. They painted a bench. Now these little kids, they they the girl got the paint bucket out and the brushes, and they painted this garden bench green. Apparently, Mm. they did a really good job, but um, which is the most bizarre thing ever. But the little girls did not get in trouble. For it. Mm -hmm. And my mom said she wasn't going to yell at her kid, you know, Yvonne, because if the parents weren't yelling at Peggy, then, you know, why should her kid get in trouble for painting this bench?
0: Oh, and, and Thomas Upton says not only are your episodes of Main Menu gone, but some other episodes. With other hosts hosting main menu, are also gone. I liked
13: Blind Like Me. That was a good show. That was a
0: good show with Phil Parr. I he was a, could... and the Blind Handyman show. Yeah, that was that was, that was, fun. was pretty I wish laid back. So kicking back there with a few beers.
13: And The yeah. women were out shopping. Or something. That
0: was a good show. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Hillis also says I've decided that when the star-studded disaster movie about this event the called the Pandemic Adventure comes out. There will have to be a song called, There's Got to Be a Masking Answer. Oh, God. Bring on Maureen McGovern, says mm, Sarah. The
13: Poseidon. And then there was the updated Poseidon Adventure.
0: Yeah, well, there are lots of parodies out there at the moment. Oh, yes. Now, I have had a bit of downtime this weekend. Yes. So for the first time, I've been reading things and doing things other than COVID-19. And I've caught up on the 13 Minutes to the Moon Season 2 about Apollo 13. And it's really riveting. It, it's today's it's a,
13: the anniversary of the launch. Yeah, yeah, so it was
0: Apollo 13 on. Yeah, and they were due to land on the moon, was ago, it? On the yeah. 13th, was mm-hmm. it? Yeah, yeah, it was the
13: launch from Earth today.
0: Yeah. In Cape Kennedy. I looked on YouTube to see what coverage I could find of the actual event because I, I find actualities fascinating. Yeah. So it's probably a bit like Thomas Upton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I find the actualities really interesting of how these stories were covered in real time and how they unfolded and how the media reported and reacted. So I searched for Apollo 13 coverage, and, you know, on YouTube they show you what other people have searched for. And do you know what some other people have searched for? What? Apollo 13 moon landing. Oh, dear. I mean, it makes you
13: wonder, doesn't it? Well, no. I mean, that that could be a way because they were supposed to land on the moon. Well, but they they, didn't. We all know they didn't. No, they didn't, but that could be a way of searching because sometimes you do have to – change your search around to find mm. the right thing. So did you find any coverage? Oh, yeah. It's
0: not the best of audio quality. No. But But, um, I mean, there's quite a lot of really good quality Apollo 11 stuff. But I yeah. guess because of the historic nature of it, people were, were, were prepared. By the time Apollo 13, and when you consider it was only the third time they were supposed to land on the moon, Americans have got quite blase about it. They didn't even show yeah. the little broadcast that Apollo 13 did, they, they did a, a little sort of event for TV like the astronauts had been doing, and no network picked it mm. up, and that was just before the explosion. But NASA didn't have the heart to tell the astronauts that no one was broadcasting. Oh, well, that's terrible. Yeah.
13: Well, the war in Vietnam was pretty revving up too, so I think that's probably there was a lot of unrest.
0: Yeah, but for those who are interested in the whole TikTok of Apollo 13, they've really got access to some cool stuff like the internal chatter, Within mission control, you can even hear some of the phone calls that the captain's wife made to NASA to find out what the heck was going on. It's riveting. So 13 minutes to the moon. They originated a season on Apollo 11, and this is season two on Apollo 13. It's really good. I, I don't like – can I just have a little get-off-my-lawn moment here? Mm-hmm. I do not like this tendency of newer documentary podcasts – to fill the damn things with this dramatic music like you're watching a movie. Mm -hmm. It's really distracting. Mm -hmm. I came across a thing called Broken Brain by um, Dr. Mark Hyman, and he very thoughtfully offered a music version and a Mm non-music version. And the non-music version is just so much nicer to listen to. And why do we have to have all this crazy, dramatic music going on in the background? It's annoying. Don't you think it's annoying? Oh, I'm glad you agree with me.
13: I watched yesterday the um, Fred Hayes. Yesterday. Fred Hayes, who was the pilot, I believe, on Apollo 13, he uh, went on into the the shuttle program, and he was one of the pilots on the approach and landing test of the Enterprise out (laughs) at Edwards Air Force Base where (laughs) they um, released it. Because the space shuttle is essentially a glider, and when it came in, it had no power. So, you, you know, they had to land it sort of land like a rock so it was really some great piloting skills and they tested it by launching it off the back of a boeing 747 he did not go he retired from nasa before he flew because the shuttle program got delayed so he he just retired from nasa but that's that's really i i just because i remember these things i think and i do remember the approach and landing test i i love the space shuttle it's just so cool it's just yeah yeah you're a big space shuttle fan I, have a big, I grew yeah. up with it. So, yeah, you know, yeah. I remember goes. getting
0: into trouble for calling this number <laughs> yeah, with, 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 in Houston, I think yes. it was, where you could listen, listen to, to, to the, the comms. But mm, boy, it was expensive calling oh, yeah. from here back then. Oh, my word, it was. It was
13: expensive calling in the States. You just head
0: on over to the rallies and call it from there. And then they'd complain about
13: their... Someone's been calling Houston.
0: You drew to our attention, and we talked about this in the smorgasbord Board. But we do have listeners who listen to this who don't listen to the special midweek shows that we've been doing. Mm-hmm. You drew to our attention, a lot of people picked up on this this weird oddity for for Americans, Americans with the iPhone.
13: Yesterday,
0: yesterday, yeah.
13: And it's so, annoying. what we
0: were able to glean from discussions over the week is that Samantha on iOS, the American, very sort of angry sounding voice to me, she just sounds so like. She sounds like someone you wouldn't want to mess with. You know, she like she, mm-hmm. she's a very officious angry person. Anyway, she definitely says yesterday or my trouble censor. And it seems that some other American voices Alex say yesterday, yesterday. But yes, but somebody told us that if you use the American Siri voice it does not say yesterday.
13: It's annoying. Why? I wonder
0: what on earth possessed them to make it say yesterday. I don't
13: yesterday. know. Somebody must have been bored in their little quarantine place and decided. <laughs> well, what problem were they trying to fix, I, I wonder? Know. I think they were just trying to see if anyone noticed.
0: I heard a clip from a documentary about COVID-19 in New York, says Sarah Hillis, and this nurse was talking about the very harrowing experiences going on there, and there was this very cheesy, dramatic oh, music gee. going in the background. Doo, 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 I thought doo, it doo, did her story a disservice. Yeah. yeah, I really wish they would stop. I don't know where this has come from. Pod- podcasts are not movies. No. I mean, the, the reason why you have mo- um, music in the background of movies is sometimes there is a break when mm-hmm. there's no dialogue, when there's action on the screen. So I get mm-hmm. that. But this is radio.
13: You were talking about the Amazon, not the Amazon Wars, the Amtrak Wars.
0: Oh, the Amtrak Wars! I enjoyed so, those books. Did you read them?
13: I didn't. I should read them. Yeah, they're they're
0: quite good. I, I don't know this, how I stumbled upon the Amtrak Wars, but I I did enjoy reading them. I
13: have this weird fascination with what's below New York City.
0: Isn't there a whole bunch a of people whole living world down there? Under yeah, yeah. they're
13: called yeah. mole people, and. Jennifer Toth, uh, a reporter, wrote a book about them, and they, they claim that they've cleaned a lot of that up. I don't know. You know well,
0: I wonder if COVID-19 has got down there or whether it's actually a safe place to be.
13: Well, they could go under there. It's interesting. To, but yeah, yeah, but they do. There are people – because under New York City, there's just miles and miles of unused tunnels, and they go down, you know, many, many levels. And people – I mean, some of them are, are homeless and drug addicts that mm. live sort of on the upper levels are mentally ill. But there are people that move down there because rents are so high in New York and families that didn't want to be split up by children's services or something because – but yeah, there's whole communities yeah. down there, and it's kind of it's kind of creepy because when you're on the trains down there, you know that there are people out there, or they may be on the trains, and you can see them sometimes. But it's kind of fascinating. I mean, it's not something I'd want to go explore. There was another one by I think his name's John Saul about it's called the Manhattan Hunt Club, and where people would go down there and hunt people. And for those
0: who are looking for interesting things to read, I have been reading for some time a series called The Survivors Mm -hmm. Series by Nathan Heisted, spelled H-Y-S-T-A-D, and the first book is called The Event, and he's written 12 books, I think 13th is coming out in May, so I don't know how long he intends the series to run, and I quite like them. He's He's a pretty good writer. I believe they are on Audible, but I don't really go for audio books unless I absolutely have to. So I'm reading them all on Kindle.
5: Hey,
14: Jonathan, Nick Zamorelli here. And for the first time ever, I'm coming to you live from my basement, which is where I've set up my virtual learning studio, if you will. I have, of course, my laptop. It's a Lenovo Yoga C930, very capable machine, and... The Samsung Samsung Q2U microphone, which I've had for about a week now. It's been up and running for a little bit less than that, and I'm very, very pleased with the performance of it so far. I've got a Yamaha electronic keyboard down here. I've got an Echo device. I've got a a Bose SoundTouch 20, which is a nice Bluetooth speaker. I have a Bose Wave music system, which I don't use that much. But it's, uh, it's turned into a quite a nice little studio setup down here for me to do my work. And unfortunately, I have been working a little bit today to get some lesson plans uh, out to folks. I don't like working on Saturdays. I just can't warm up to Google for this virtual learning thing. Unfortunately, my district has gone all in on the Google platform, and I just I can't warm up to it. It's very, very difficult for me to navigate. I did go to the JAWS freedom scientific training area downloaded some webinars listened to them they were helpful but not as thorough as I thought they would be but they're better than not having listened to them at all I do want to thank Sonia Patel she sent me a wonderful website uh, with some great lesson ideas that I've already used uh, a little bit so thank you very much Sonia for that a really cool update my Samsung Galaxy S10e Uh, it's updated to the new home screen and the new UI which adds some great features to the camera and also adds things like quick share which is Android Samsung's answer to Apple AirDrop so I'm really happy about having that because Apple definitely beat us to the punch there so hopefully quick share works as well as uh, Airdrop. You know, I wonder what you think about Jaws cornering the market, in a sense, as far as screen readers go. Um, I figure you can answer that now, having no longer an affiliation with a screen reader manufacturer. Not that you wouldn't have answered honestly before. I'm sure you would have answered as honestly as you could. But that's a question that I've had for uh, some weeks now. Very curious as to your take on that. Uh, usually, competition is a good thing, but JAWS has swallowed up window eyes, and so seems to me that they're the only game in town other than NVDA, and I've never used NVDA. So just curious about what you think in that area.
0: I can honestly say that I would answer the question about JAWS cornering the market the same way, whether I was still with freedom or not, and that is that, there's actually quite a active market in the Windows screen reader space. You have another commercial competitor in Supernova. You have the open source angle with NVDA. And most significantly, you have Microsoft, which is investing a lot in the Rater with every major update of Windows. And they have been coming six monthly. And what you will see is that with every release of Windows, Comes significant changes and improvements to the capability of narrator. So I think while the competitors have changed, obviously Window Eyes no longer exists. Really, it was kind of a triumvirate before, wasn't it? Jaws, Window Eyes, and HAL or Supernova. And now you have a similar situation. It's just Jaws or it's the uh, the Fusion Supernova, but you also have NVDA and an increasingly capable narrator. So. Certainly, JAWS isn't in a monopoly situation and they have to continue to innovate and um, make sure that they remain relevant. And despite the free offerings, you know, for me, at least, as someone who needs to get the job done, um, JAWS just does it so much better for me. But you obviously have to continue to evaluate what works in your personal situation. The pan is listening to us in Toronto and says, I've tried the Alienware Mobile Connect app for Windows 10 because... You remember I was talking last week about the fact that this new app from Dell is supposed to allow you to uh, control your iPhone from your PC. And I was wondering how usable it is for blind people. Though not accessible completely, it could be made to work. I have so far managed to pair my iPhone 11 with my PC and made phone calls. I'm also receiving iOS notifications on my PC. The companion app on the iPhone isn't accessible at all, but it's only used to get the code to pair with the PC. I took a screenshot and ran it through Seeing AI. Ding, 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 ding. To uh, get the code, I've only played with it for some time, so I don't have all the information. If accessibility is ironed out, there's a lot of potential. The quality of the phone call was decent, and I could even record it with audacity. That's really interesting. I I hope that they iron out any accessibility issues that there might be because that is a huge benefit to going with Dell, isn't it? So thanks very much for that little mini review. And Chris Cook says, Many thanks for the Mosin at Large podcast and for keeping us all so well entertained during these very difficult times. I'd also like to thank you for the generous gesture of making your book on Zoom free which has proved extremely handy. I have bought from you before, though, i.e. imagine there's no countries, and Bonnie's book, It's Off to Work We Go. But I did gratefully take advantage of the Zoom book being free. I have a question, which you may or may not be able to answer. Well, there's a challenge. I'm using a Windows 10 PC, Internet Explorer 11, ...and the latest build of JAWS 2019. When you discuss the settings on the Zoom website... ...you now have to get to them a different way... ...i.e. there's no link entitled My Settings... ...on the same page as My Account Profile, etc. I've managed to navigate to them, though... ...and they're displayed on the web page... ...as you describe in your tutorial. However... Many of the options have a toggle button underneath them, or at least that's what JAWS reads out. It's easy enough to press the toggle button, which I presume changes the setting from A to B, but unfortunately JAWS doesn't read out what the setting was by default and what you've changed it to. Are you having a similar experience, please? Is this an accessibility issue with the Zoom website? Good to hear from you, Chris. No, I think what we're dealing with here is you using an obsolete browser. When I go with Chrome or Microsoft Edge, which are, of course, current browsers that are fully embracing HTML5, those toggle buttons are either pressed or not pressed. And JAWS is really clearly speaking whether they are pressed or not pressed. Internet Explorer 11 is really not a good idea. Technology has moved on so much. HTML5 has really evolved, and it's just old technology. So if you switch to Chrome or if you're a fan of Microsoft, you could switch to the new Microsoft Edge, which is getting very good scores, actually, in terms of HTML5 compatibility. I believe it checked in at 100% in a recent test. Then I am very confident you will find that that Zoom page works beautifully for you and you'll be able to tell which settings are toggled on and which are not.
5: There's
0: been talk that sleep tracking will make its way into watchOS officially at some point. There was some indication that work was being done on it for watchOS 6 and it never made it to watchOS 6. Now there's revised talk that watchOS 7 is going to contain sleep tracking and this will put it I guess, in a similar position to Fitbit devices, which still have a very good reputation for sleep tracking. But a patent has been filed. I tell you, if you watch these Apple patents, when they're filed, you really can get some interesting things. And as I say, whenever I mention these patents, it's important to note that not all of them amount to anything. But it's fun to see what the Apple engineers are thinking about. And what the Apple engineers have been thinking about in the context of sleep tracking is, Some people just don't want to wear a device when they're asleep. And this could be a way around the battery life of the Apple Watch. Because with Fitbit devices, probably because they're a bit less smart in many cases, some of them can last for days and days. Not so the Apple Watch. So Apple is thinking about Apple blankets and Apple mattresses. And I guess mattress pads as well. Imagine that. I guess it could be the iPad the apple mattress pad so this is what apple's thinking about for sleep tracking so you could just have a blanket on you but even though it'll just feel like a regular blanket and be all snuggly it will have lots of sensors that is tracking data about your sleep kind of creepy so (laughs) and and reporting back i presume to your apple watch app your health app. So I'm not quite sure how they're powered and how that will work. You're going to have to plug your, bat, your your blanket into the wall to charge during the day. I'll tell you what's also interesting in Apple Land this week. There's also some suggestion that Apple has finally cracked the air power thing. This turned out to be vaporware. You may remember at WWDC a couple of years ago, there was a lot of excitement about this charging mat. And you would just take this with you. It was particularly good for traveling. Not that anybody's doing that anymore. And you'd be able to lay your phone, your watch, and your AirPods on this mat and it would charge them all. And then they had all sorts of issues with the product overheating and not being reliable enough for the whole sort of just works mantra of Apple. So they pulled the product on a Friday afternoon. they just quietly said, oh, we're not going to deliver this. But it sounds like they haven't given up and that they may have cracked this by actually putting a processor. I think they've gone with the A12, the same kind of processor that you have seen in some iPhones maybe in this air power. And that's how they've dealt with the heating problem. And that's how they're going to get it to work. Now, what that will mean for the price, of course, is anybody's guess. But we may be getting close to a purchasable air power product in the near future. In the meantime, other manufacturers have tried to fill the void, but perhaps not as seamlessly or elegantly as Apple originally promised.
15: Hey, Jonathan, it's Michael out of beautiful Oregon. Wanted to record this audio, number one, to show you a app that I'm using on my Pixel XL3. And before the end of this audio, I'll show you a demo of my voice without the processing on it. This is an app called Dolby One, and it's very intriguing. I've done no editing to this. The only editing that I'll do is pull this audio file and the other WAV file that I'll record in Easy Voice Recorder or some equivalent app on Android uh, with the native microphone into reaper and then i'll render an mp3 to make it easier for you to play anyways without me being at work it's given me some time to do some research into podcasting equipment and at-home studio equipment right now i'm running a samsung q2 microphone i've had that for a while uh directly well into a dock that plugs into my surface book in a usb-c port Uh, Works very well, love it, but I need to upgrade my audio, most especially for recording tutorials with uh, this Pixel phone and a few other things that I want to record. You mentioned, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, that you're using the Allen & Heath Z24, if I remember right. My question for you is, can you walk us listeners through the mix minus setup you have or the setup that you're using to run that mixer with Skype because I'm really looking at either the Z24 or Z18 uh, but I want to make sure that it'll be able to accomplish what I need. Last question that I have for you is do you use a third-party tool or third-party dongle or something to bring JAWS into your recordings or how do you manage that with your Allen & Heath Z24? Anyways, I'll wrap this message up with a different recording so you can hear the regular microphone. Anyways, this is the conclusion of my message using Easy Voice Recorder with the native microphone on the Pixel XL3. Still not very bad quality. Uh, And once again, I did no enhancement to the previous audio. The only editing of sorts that I've done is brought it into Reaper with this audio and then rendered you out an MP3 file and a WAV file.
0: Thanks, Michael. I must say, I prefer the latter rather than the former because that effect is kind of odd, that weird chorusy stereo effect. And then Michael also tells me that the app is actually called Dolby On, if you're interested in checking it out, rather than Dolby One. But no, I'm definitely a purist, I guess, and I would just prefer hearing something without that weird kind of chorusy enhancement. Now, a couple of quite geeky questions, so I'll just be fairly brief with this. I believe I have the model number wrong, so I'm pretty sure this is the Z20. 2FX from Alan and Heath. And I may have misquoted the model a couple of weeks ago. So my apologies for that. I have a large number of ways of recording from this mixer because I'm running a desktop PC which has built-in onboard sound. And because the quality is not so good with those built-in motherboard sound things, that's what I have JAWS coming through. And I have JAWS coming through two channels, left and right of that mixer. So I can listen to JAWS on pre-fade. I can listen to it on one of the buses. And of course, when I want to record, I just wind it up into the primary bus. So JAWS is just coming through the mixer, thanks to cabling from the motherboard sound into the mixer. And then I have a complete audio six. So I have two more sets of stereo inputs and outputs that are analog there. And then finally, the Allen & Heath Z22FX has its own USB port, which effectively gives me another sound card. And it's that one that I record my VoIP conversations through. So it's going through that channel that's taking audio from the USB interface built into the mixer. And there you have uh, controls, a big line of controls for each fader, which determine which buses... The audio is being sent to and i just make sure that for things i don't want recorded when i'm having a voip conversation and that includes jaws and of course the voip conversation itself as you rightly say you don't want the voip conversation echoing back and that's what mix minus is all about i just make sure that um, those channels that i don't want recorded have the little pot set all the way to zero for that particular bus, and that's how you get your mix minus. And what that means is that I can put anything from VoIP be it Zoom, I don't use Skype anymore, but it could be Clean Feed or any number of things like that on the air. They can hear music and my microphone down the phone, but they can't hear themselves echoing back thanks to the mix minus, and so. Now, I don't need any dongle to record JAWS because that motherboard sound is just piped directly into the mixer. And all I need to do is wind up the channel. and, uh, And then you can hear that I'm about to play The Beatles in Good Day Sunshine. See? It is a very nice mixer. Thank you so much for all your contributions. I really appreciate that. I will be here on Mushroom FM throughout the week, twice a day, live with special editions of the Board, so we can stay connected. Mushroom FM's 10th birthday is coming, and we look forward to your registrations for Mushroom Stock, our big virtual music festival. You can select a seat and register and do it now. Mushroomfm.com slash Mushroom Stock 2020 is the URL. That's Mushroomfm.com slash Mushroom Stock 2020.